0: This is womensleadershipsuccess.com radio, episode number 89. Here's the problem. Many leaders lack effective leadership and communication skills. They are not inspiring a strategic vision or engaging their team to implement their most important goals. This causes these leaders to micromanage which blocks progress and profits. Can you relate? Is this a problem for you or your company? Join best-selling author Diana Boer and me as we share practical guidelines to help your leadership and communication skills so you can advance your top goals with less time and effort. And be sure to listen to the end of this show to get a free copy of the transcripts.
1: Welcome to Women's Leadership Podcast, Showing you how to influence people, improve your performance, and advance your career. Brought to you by women's leadership and career expert Sabrina Brom and womensleadershipsuccess.com. Here's your chance to meet women trendsetters leading the way to success, accomplishment, and balance in business and life. No matter if you're a manager, CEO, or entrepreneur. Join Sabrina for coaching and no-nonsense advice to improve your career and bottom line.
0: This is womensleadershipsuccess.com radio. Today we're talking with Diana Boer. She's the founder and CEO of Boer Research Institute, and she works with organizations to help them communicate clearly and with leaders to expand their influence by a strong executive presence. She has provided communication programs and coaching to some of the largest Fortune 500 companies and governmental agencies such as IBM, Lockheed Martin, Raytheon, ExxonMobil, BP, Chevron, ConocoPhillips, and many more. Um, And she's been on many, many national television programs. Welcome, Diana.
2: It's great to be with you.
0: Thank you. You know, you were on our show in 2005. Um, We were talking about women having an executive presence then, and over the years, I have recommended many of your books to people. You have 47 books out, and this latest one, which is Communicate Like a Leader, Connecting Strategically to Coach, Inspire, and Get Things Done, is excellent. Um, one of the things I really like about your writing style is each, each um, wonderful thought is three or four pages, which means I can put the book down and pick it up and feel like I'm getting it getting through it and getting some great ideas while I do it so
2: thanks Sabrina that's that's great that's exactly the the kind of reader that I know I have out there people who just want to you know read while they're standing in the while they're sitting in the doctor's office (laughs) waiting
0: for their visit or just they have a few minutes
2: because that's the kind of life we all lead right now
0: right and but the nice thing about yours is Really, there isn't any fluff. You you really give very very good suggestions, and I say that um, having I read maybe five to six different books a month, and yours are definitely such a high caliber. Um, Diana, can you tell us a little bit about your background? Well, it's not exactly glamorous.
2: I was teaching high school. I had two toddlers and a husband who was struggling with major depression uh-huh. in and out of the hospital. He was no longer able to work, and I figured I was going to be the sole support, <laughs> and I couldn't do that on a teacher's salary. So a friend said, what do you like to do? I said, well, I, I used to like the light back in school, but how are you going to make a living at that? And he said, I didn't ask you how I was going to make, you were going to make a living at that. I just said, what did you like to do? Uh-huh. If you can figure that out, then 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 you'll be fine. And so I went to the library, checked out, that was before the days you could just get on the internet and, you know, find all this information. Went to the library, checked out about 50 or 60 books on how to how to write and make a living at it. You know, what was the process for writing a book and submitting it and getting published? It wasn't as easy as it is today when everybody can self-publish. You know, I intended to sell it, sit back, type it out, send it off and wait for the movie to come out. <laughs> just, uh-huh. I, there was a little bit more to it than that. Uh-huh. But I... I did, it was a fluke that I actually sold the first book, and while I was waiting for the publisher to bring that book out, I got my master's degree, and wrote my, my master's thesis was a novel, actually, before I started writing business books, I wrote fiction, and I started my business when the business book came out. uh, Shell Oil sent me, uh, saw me on TV doing an author tour, and, um. Had me come out and teach uh, the the topic of the book, and then she, IBM saw me on TV, and again it just started, and then that, that was the sort of you must do it right now to make a living kind of start. So as I said, it wasn't very glamorous.
0: Wow, it sounds it sounds like you took a really really challenging situation, and I know a lot of women listening have situations in their families that are. Where they're struggling, and you you took that and you found a way to have great success,
2: right? I, and I didn't want to spend my life, of course, on the road because I had I had children. I started out just working in the um, in the Houston area, and then I moved the business. I had to hire other people because I had more than I could handle, more contracts than I could handle. And when these clients, big clients, started sending me here, there, and everywhere, then I I began to train other people to do what I was doing, and then and, and build a business. Uh, because communication is a topic that it's, you're not just born knowing how to communicate. It's a skill that you learn. And so I began to train other people how to do it and, and what the processes were and building a business around it. And 47 books later, I'm still I'm, you know, approaching other topics because the communication is just a very, very broad field. You know, there's written, oral, interpersonal, organizational communication. It, right. It's so very, very broad that...
0: I guess I could write until I'm in
2: the grave, and I
0: was happy <laughs> writing about communication right well, and so that's what i do hearing. I do coaching in corporations, and I would say that um that there's so many people that don't have good communication skills that are in management positions, and um whoa, what a difference it makes to just the the book he just wrote, just going through that uh studying that and beginning to implement those ideas that are in there. Uh, would make a huge improvement in so many people's leadership styles.
2: That's true right? because I think that leadership is communication. The, the essence of leadership is communicating. When you know, when I was looking for a title for this book, we we had I started to call it strategic communication, and then people said, well, you know, that doesn't really. It sounds boring
1: <laughs> to me. And uh-huh. I was
2: telling my editor, it sounds boring, and so then he thought, well, how about communicating as a leader? And I thought, well. And communicate like a leader that's that's so broad yet that is what leadership is and when we did a survey by and large everybody said that's that's it that's the title so that's why we came up with communicating like a leader because you you have to innovate you have to motivate people you you communicate when you coach them when you're trying to inspire them when you're trying to develop them when you know when you lead meetings speaking they're just everything you do as a leader communications involved. And so we went with that very broad topic and then tried to break it down. He said, well, you know, you can't just publish a book on communication because they're not going to know what it's about. And so I did put it in buckets. If you notice it's uh-huh. well, you know, that the, you do speak, you write, you negotiate, you develop people and you lead meetings. So I did put it in those six categories or the, I call them categories of your communication as a leader, uh-huh. but it's it, that is the essence of communicating as a leader when you're when you're strategic about it. Right. Unless you're a micromanager, and you know, I, in some of the PR that went out about the book, I said this book prevents micromanagement because that's basically if you fail as a leader, most of the time, what the reason people fail as a leader is because they are micromanaging. And, and that's a big no-no. I mean, that's that's failure 101.
0: Well, what does that mean? Can you give us a definition I, of micromanaging? I, I think it's
2: people start
0: managing
2: if, if they're fearful that they don't have the right skills. They they start managing processes rather than people. If they don't trust their people, they, uh-huh. either they haven't developed their people, or they they just don't trust people can do the job, or they they know the people don't have they don't have the right people. Uh-huh. Other people don't have the skills, and so they just control the process, and that's micromanaging, and it uh-huh. drives people nuts.
0: Right, <laughs> right. That's right. why your people leave.
2: And, of course, it overloads you as a leader. You wind up doing all this extra work because you're doing your job and you're doing their job. Right. And so it just is, is a no-win for everybody that's involved.
0: Now, um, absolutely. And when, one of the things that you said was if a manager is doing that, it means that the company – or the manager has not developed proper training and leadership skills um and i realize that could be a whole hour talk right there but can you just give a just a thumbnail of what what would that be what would proper training be for somebody that's micromanaging
2: well i think proper training for good skills uh-huh. would be you train them everything is a sale <laughs> you know when you're when you're going to be uh In leadership, and so you're going to be selling yourself or selling ideas or selling your credibility. So you've got to have persuasion. You've got to know how to brief people, just giving status reports. You've got to know how to lead a meeting. I mean, who's in corporate America when you can't lead a meeting? You've got to know how to sit down and have a one-on-one face-to-face conversation or a phone conversation. You've got to know how to network, to build relationships so that you get things done outside the positional hierarchy. So all of those things are the kinds of training that people need. Now, that might break down further to they now have to have to be able to listen, they have to be able to speak, they have to be able to write, they have to have um conflict resolution skills. Mm-hmm. You can break each of those down. But the end result is what I was talking about, selling briefing, meeting, conversing, networking, that's the end result of those basic skills. Um, and so the training might be in a classroom, it might be, you know, online, you can carry that training out. But it, it could even be um mentoring or or on the job training. Mm-hmm. But the end result needs to show up
0: that way. Uh, well, I'm I'm just thinking of different people I've worked with in different corporations, and there are people that are getting promoted because they are highly skilled in an area, but they have none of the communications or soft skills. And um, right. <laughs> they're they're brilliant. I hear that all the time. Oh, they're
2: brilliant in their technical skills. I mean, you, they they they're, they bring in more business than you know anybody here in their division, but they can't have a face to face conversation when Mister X Y Z walks down the hall. Right. And <laughs> I hear that all the time when people call us for training. Right. That's that's a major problem, and so whatever skill you have. You have to wrap it in communication skills. You can do a brilliant job over in the corner, but if nobody knows about it and they don't know about your accomplishments, if you can't articulate what you've done and the value of that to the organization, you're going to get nowhere. And somebody can have excellent communication skills, but not and not even be so great. Just be mediocre in their technical skills, and they'll still get ahead because they their showmanship skills, so to speak. Are spectacular, right? Because they express themselves well in a meeting, and they speak well, and they schmooze well, and they just they write well, and they're more persuasive. They're going to get much further ahead than the person who has excellent technical skills. And there's studies all over the board that that bear that out.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, You know, I was struck when you said the buckets. And uh, you know, I sent you this list of questions. This isn't, isn't one of them, but of the buckets, the different, different types of communication that you have to do, what would you say is, is there one that's the most important or a beginning one? In other words, if someone wants to really improve their communication, which one of those is one you would start with?
2: I would start with the um, speaking Because that one is the one that you see most often. It doesn't mean that in any given situation you can't lose or make your career over that. It might be one email that destroyed your career because it was so badly written Uh or one that actually made your career could be one, one excellent proposal that brought in, you know, $10 million for -hmm. your organization and got your promotion. So it's not always the case, but just generally speaking, if someone is articulate on their feet when they give a presentation, because that happens so routinely, that's the most important you You're given more opportunities. I was just talking with someone earlier today, and they and she was saying, You know my son and I she called the company it's a very large company, and she said he's only been there nine months. And she said, every time somebody says, Well, does anybody want to brief, you know, want to brief as our representative from our division? You want to go to XYZ conference or meeting or such and such and do the briefing? Oh, I will. Oh, I will. She said, He's already gotten several promotions and been, you know, passed over people who have been there much longer because he's an excellent speaker she Mm -hmm. said I taught him she she works for us she's worked for us for years as a trainer in speaking and writing and she says I taught him to write and I taught him to give briefings and she said he takes every opportunity to get on his feet and she said because he's on his feet and he's always briefing and volunteering for those situations he's just leapfrogged other people And, and you know and other people will frequently pass up those opportunities and say well not me not me no don't get me up and they're doing a detriment, uh, you know, detrimental harm to their to their career.
0: Right, because the, what you're saying is the only way you're going to get better at speaking is to get up and start doing it. Right, right.
2: To That's, learn how. That's right. Sure. You just
0: you just have to learn how to do that. Um, any any um. So speaking up at meetings, uh, I get this is, I think more of a female thing where women are more. Reticent to speak up in a meeting, or I just had one woman um, text me and say, "How do I? How can I speak up in a meeting because there's really strong personalities?" Um, do you have any oh, suggestions? So what?
2: <laughs> I said that happens so often. Uh, it, it is a gender thing because I think we, as women, frequently are taught to uh, not interrupt. And that, you know, Deborah Tannen has done a lot of research on gender communication. I talk about it some, but not to the extent that she does. And uh-huh. I haven't done the research to the extent she does. But there are, yes, I have two good tips here. One is to set yourself up at the beginning, as soon as you open your mouth to hold the floor. For example, if you're in a meeting and you say something like, um, let's say you're listening to some conversation and you say, yes, I, I do. I have, I have three reasons for, Thinking that we should lease more space in this building. Let me let me give you the first one. The first reason, blah blah blah. And if somebody interrupts you at this point, you say, "Excuse me, Bill, just let me finish." I said three reasons. Let me let me go into the second reason. So you set yourself up for your first statement. I have three reasons. So oh, I love it. Interrupted. <laughs> you you you've already set the platform. I'm going to give you three. So I'll shut your mouth <laughs> until I finish.
0: So that's something and you so could you, you could practice yeah. in advance too. You could think about. Yeah something that might be coming up that you could do that yeah.
2: with. So, so let's say you're in the middle of the discussion, and you can just say, well, let me mention here, there's a pro and a con for attending that conference as a group. Let me give you the pro first. And as you get into that, if you get interrupted and somebody tries to take, take it away, you can just say, well, uh, excuse me, excuse me, let me finish here. I said there was a pro and a con. I just got the, the pro. Let me, let me mention the con here
0: right I love it so you the you beginning. you preview it right at the beginning so if you get interrupted yes. you say I I'm, I still have the con uh-huh. to do or whatever I love no. it that's yes. a, uh, yes. that's a great idea
2: that's yes. a great idea and then the second the second idea is you become a facilitator or a guide particularly this is important if you have strong pers- personalities in a group um what happens generally i see this happen so much when we do a Presentations, coaching is. Let's say you're a lower-ranking person in the meeting, and you've got you know a group of six vice presidents and the CEO in there. Uh huh. And they, one of them brings up something side conversation, and they address it to the person across the room. And the Uh person across the room says, "Well, that's right, that's right, Tony. Well, yeah, Martha, what do you think?" And well, Martha, I don't know, Joanne. And all of a sudden, these four vice presidents are going after it, and maybe you're the lower-ranking person. You think, "Well, I don't want to step in here, you know? They got me off track. I thought I was talking about budget. Now they're talking about a safety issue." And And that the person you, who's briefing, just kind of steps back to the side and these four people are in a discussion. That's not the way to do it because what happens is they think they went over, the the meeting was supposed to last an hour. Now you're going an hour and a half. They walk out of the hall and they think, man, she can't control a meeting. We were an hour and a half late. They never think. Well, they were the reason. Uh (laughs) They got it Uh off track. So what you want to do is when you see this happening, you want to make sure that you are facilitating. You become the MC of the meeting, even if you're not contributing ideas. Picture yourself like the uh, – you know, you, you've been at a conference where there is a panelist. There are four groups of of uh, uh, panelists, the four Uh panels, not groups of panelists, and there's an MC. And if one starts to monopolize or they start talking to each other, you'll see the panel, the MC step in and say, uh, just a minute, uh, just a minute, uh, Toby. Let me, uh, Kim, go ahead and finish your point there. All right. Thank you for doing that. Now, back to you, Stanley. Go ahead and finish what you were saying. Uh, Stanley, now, back to you, Toby. What were you going to say? What would be your response in that situation? And that MC steps in. They're not talking over they're not interrupting but they start being a traffic director just like a traffic cop Uh uh-huh and so that's that's what you want to do that way you stay in control it's not that these strong personalities like disruption like chaos they want to all be heard and they need a traffic cop they realize they need a a traffic director Uh uh-huh want to get out in the street with a car and just drive without traffic signals and they will, they will let you do it. They will, they will give you the freedom to, gri- to guide the discussion. They don't want you to totally back out. That's a mistake because when people send someone to me for coaching, they will frequently say, he's, he's, he or she's just really shy. When you get in a group of a meeting, they can't hold their own. And what they're saying is you don't speak up. You're not assertive in a meeting. You just back up and sit down. Uh-huh. And that's not good. Mm-hmm. so become a, become a an MC or facilitator in a discussion even when people outrank you and that doesn't mean talk over them it means guide the discussion
0: right so it's a, it's a kind of attitude too right i mean you're you're going yes. in with very uh um how, how would you say it a, a friendly attitude but you're just as a friendly traffic director saying uh oh, wait a second let's let bill finish his comment or yeah. whatever yeah
2: yeah and you're just saying uh Bill uh, Stanley just brought up the idea of such and such. How would that work in your division? Beautiful. And then he says something, and then you go back to. Now, Martha, uh, you mentioned that you have tried that before. Uh, have you tried it with uh, less than three people? Can they handle that same load? How would that idea work? So you're just you're just directing
0: traffic back and forth, and Beautiful. they love having structured discussion. And and it's I love this idea, Diana. It's such a, a- beautiful way to start getting more confident and less shy just by being the traffic director. Yes, yes. Beautiful. And
2: then they perceive you as an equal. I mean, it's it's amazing how they start to, to look to you for leadership. And that is what lead, you are leading the meeting by leading the discussion. Even if you don't contribute any original ideas, they start to contribute and, and lean on you as being one of them a partner in the discussion
0: that is so beautiful and in all these years i've been doing this program i've never heard anybody say this particular thing before it's it's incredible now oh, thank you the what strategies can you use to behave and look more confident and this is something that i i keep hearing from women that they want to know how to look more confident and it, and we talked about that when I actually interviewed you before, but I wonder if you'd say something about that. Well, I think
2: one of the things that help you be more confident is to actually um, lead with strategic questions. And I know that you think, well, how does that make me (laughs) more confident? Sometimes people think, well, to be confident, I have to i have to talk over people i have to ha- always have the answers i have to no you you really don't <laughs> you have to ask thought provoking questions you will be thought more highly often by asking thought provoking questions than by by giving opinions and you're asking and making people think about what they're they're saying um you can, if you're talking about your physical things, the, the the actual physical things that make you feel more confident, that would be a a what I call the ready position. If you've ever played a sport or, or watched somebody play a sport, you know how they stand with their feet uh, right under their shoulders, square. Uh-huh. You square your shoulders, you square your feet. You you gesture from the shoulder, not the wrist or the elbow but you gesture from your shoulder, that makes you look wider. You breathe from your diaphragm, not not a shallow breath. All of that physically makes you look and feel more confident. But the, the psychological is just as important as that, the physical. And asking the open-ended questions, actually listening to the answers, and probing, once they answer something, then you... You probe now. How would how would that work? Why why do you think that would work? Are there situations where that wouldn't work? Uh, when would that work? You're you're guiding them to rethink what they said. Maybe their answer was just you think that nah. <laughs> <Nope. laughs> that's gonna work. But as you lead them. To, to probe deeper into the answer, you want them to realize that. See, that's part of leadership. You want them to realize, man, nah, that wasn't a good answer. That's uh-huh. not a good option here in this situation. And then as they answer, you want to help them separate fact from opinion. They'll say, well, that will never work because Ted would never do so-and-so. And then you say, well, no, wait a minute. You said Ted would never – is that a is that a fact or opinion? How, did he write you an email and say he would not participate and not register for that conference? And so a lot of times, well, well, I don't know that for a fact, but I think, uh
0: huh, you know.
2: And so, so you're helping them separate fact from opinion. And then if they say, "Oh well, no, that's a fact," well, could you send me the? Can you send me that article? I'd like to take a look at it. Or could you could you send me some data on that? Could could you send me a link to that? Beautiful. Asking them for checkbacks, all of those things. You're not countering them, but that helps. It builds your confidence because you're not countering them. You're not overpowering them. You're not saying that is wrong. You're not conflict. You're not confrontational. But it helps you help them to think. But it also helps you to gradually, you're more sure because if they if they are able to say, yes, I'm sure, and yes, that's a fact, then yeah, I'll send you the article, then okay, nothing's lost. You haven't lost faith. They haven't lost faith. You haven't been confrontational. And no, if right, and you've showed
0: great interest. Sure. You, you're just curious <laughs> yeah. and you want to get more information. There's a great article on this. You want to have it. That's right. so cool. That right. is so cool. And um, this is – it's just so much fun, the the, the answers that you're giving. And I just – I just love your books, and I just want to mention that wh- when you read this book, Communicate Like a Leader, it's got this is the kind of of information that she has in her book, and I I don't usually mention that type of thing in the middle of an interview, but this is really really good stuff. Hey, Di- Diana, I get this I I have more than one woman say to me, Hey, I want to be assertive as a leader. But I don't want to be mean or perceived as a, being aggressive or, you know, bossy, is the term you hear. Yeah. So, how do you what is one how does one do this? How do you assert yourself? What if people say, "Well, you're acting aggressive or bossy" and you're just wanting to stand up and take a stand?
2: I think one it, it, it's a mental thing. I think um, you have to think this is what – think of what you're going to do and the benefit rather than the negative, what you're not going to do. A lot of times when you feel uncertain and think, well, I should be more assertive, but I don't want to be mean, I don't want to be hostile, I don't want to be confrontational, think, well, the reason I'm doing this is or what I'm about to say, I'm going to focus on what I'm going to do. In other words, I'm not going to focus on – I am not going to that conference. They're trying to get me to go to the conference. I'm not thinking about, I'm actually going to be staying here working on such mm-hmm. and such project because that's going to be, so your focus is what I am going to do. I'm not focusing on what I'm not going to do. And there's always a benefit of what you have chosen to do.
0: Or, or, so, Or even that, that you benefit. have good intentions towards the thing you're asking your people to do. It's, yes. there's, there's some good benefit to them by this thing that you're asserting that they need to do. Yes,
2: so if you find out the benefits for doing what you plan to do, that, that's also important. Also, I think it's really important to control, you can almost say anything, if you control your tone of voice and your choice of words. In other words, your action should be assertive, but not necessarily your tone of voice and your words. Keep a tone of voice and words neutral. And I think that assertiveness and that feeling of meanness or hostility comes through, and that charge is made based on people's wrong word choice and their uh, their arrogant tone. Let me give you an example. Let's say let's say you're you're unhappy with oh some customer service something, oh you know, bad service to an airline or uh, dry cleaners or something. And they, they say, look, look just, just sit down. We will handle this when we get to it. I've got to take a minute. Just, just sit down. Please sit down. And maybe your response is, no, thank you. I, I want to stand. See, you, you know, your tone of voice is just neutral. It's just plain. It's not mean. But your action is assertive because you're standing up. Uh-huh. You know They want you to go. Get away from <laughs> the counter. And just, ma'am, just, just, just please go sit down. No, thank you. I, I want to stand. It's it's just a neutral tone of voice. In fact, even a friendly tone of voice. Uh huh. But your action is I am standing here. You can't tell me to go sit down. I'm going to stand here until you take care of this problem. Uh huh. So so be assertive in your action, but not in your tone of voice. Right. Not in your word choice.
0: I like that, and I find a lot of times smiling after I say something yeah. is helpful. But- yeah. I show them I have good intention toward you. I just, this is what I need right now. Yeah, yeah. So people tell me they don't have time to get their work done because they're in so many meetings. And you say a strategically structured agenda in a meet, is to a meeting what a foundation is to a skyscraper. I love this. Yeah. A strategically structured agenda is to a meeting what a foundation is to a skyscraper. What, what is a strategic structure? Uh-
2: Well, you know, basically anything, I'm referring here to a foundation of anything. They're a building, but everything has a foundation that is going to stay in place. Otherwise, it's just rolling all over the place. It's not flexible. And would you believe probably half the agendas, when we go into corporations and doing meetings, courses, and training, and we introduce the idea of having a functional agenda. People are, what agenda? I don't usually have an agenda. And when they do, what they what they're calling an agenda is just a list of topics. Uh huh. And they say, oh, that's that's my agenda. I just kind of have a list of topics that we're going to cover. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying that's not an agenda. <laughs> and what I try to introduce is what a real agenda should look like. And I'm saying if you have a solid agenda and it's very well structured and planned, then your meeting is going to go so well, you would not believe it. And I'm thinking about a a meeting that I had. It was with a large utility company. And it involved this utility company service two states, Texas and New Mexico. In fact, several states. I started say it was Texas, New Mexico, and uh, several states. And we had the top executives coming in, and they, they, they wanted to develop this um big message that was going out. It was a major deal, and they wanted to develop this big message, and I was supposed to be running this meeting, and I had put together a structured agenda. They had made hotel reservations and their flight. They thought it was going to take two days. a schedule for a two-day meeting. We were finished in about two and a half hours. <laughs> they had already had lunch the first day, and they said, we're through. And I said, yeah, here's, here's the agenda, and this is how we got through. And they said, well, we, they ordered lunch. We're not even here. It's 11 o'clock. We didn't even get to eat lunch. But that's what a, a structured agenda will will do for you. They were just astounded because they are used to just you know having. It, what a client. I'm doing a big web, webinar next week, and and the client there said, you know, we just have the same meeting over and over and over and over, and to have the same discussions over and over and over and over because they don't they don't word the topics appropriately. They don't. They don't know how to analyze it. They don't have a format for doing it. They don't know what the process are. Their participants are not knowledgeable on the processes. They don't have time limits on the meeting and and on different topics. And if you don't have some kind of uh, formal structure, that's the kind of meeting you go through. And that's why people walk out going, oh, man, you know, the four-hour meeting is why like, I can't get anything done.
0: Right. And you have a great chapter on how to – how to pick good questions for a structured meeting that I really like, too. So here's another question. How can a leader build confidence in self-reports, um, especially when their work or their conclusions are not correct? In other words, they're trying really hard, but they're not quite getting it, but you don't want to make sure you keep them uh, confident and inspired. Do you have a suggestion on that? Yeah, that's where I would go back to
2: the strategic questions again. Um, that, that's where your leadership really shines is developing your people. I think that, in fact, I wrote a blog on that this week. My my Tuesday. Well, today is. Uh um, oh, you're gonna have to edit because you won't be running this on a Tuesday necessarily. So it's I,
0: okay, I, but I, if you give us the if you give us the link to the blog, uh, people could go look for it.
2: Okay. All right. My fact, Sabrina, my July 11th blog is about being overly positive and when being overly positive leads to a negative. And what I mean by that, a lot of times leaders want to be so positive that anything their direct report suggests, oh, that's a great idea. Well, failure wasn't your fault. You know, we had a lot of new competitors entered the market, and you know, the prices changed. And it's it, you know, I realized that that failing was was really not all your fault because you know, the product was a little defective. They 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 needed to make some changes in the way they were packaging it. Uh huh. In other words, they're always making excuses because they want to be give you self confidence and say you know. Uh, it's going back to the idea of everybody gets a trophy, you know. Right, right. That, that kind of concept. And so if you're doing that to people, even with great intentions of making them feel good and making them feel positive and making them feel confident, you're not helping them for the long run, for their career growth. I'm not saying positive thinking is not good, but I'm saying if you do it to, a, to the wrong degree, Uh then that is not exactly the kind of leadership they need. What you want to do is practice the strategic questions that help them learn how to question their own um, ideas and evaluate them appropriately by asking, again, open-ended questions, listening to their answers, probing to help them think through and evaluate their ideas and separating fact from opinion, asking them for checkbacks. Would you uh, check back with me before you make X decision? Or what, what authority do they have at certain time periods? Can they go ahead and spend this much money? Or is there a, a, a precaution you want them to take? Be sure before you take this step, this is something that frequently happens. It's going to get you off track, so check back with me before this happens. Mm-hmm. or here's a here's a danger point be sure that you don't let this happen you'll know you're in trouble if you know this shows up et cetera. and those things help give them confidence that they're on the right track but you're not just micromanaging so that you're telling them every step of the way what to do that right. builds confidence that
0: and and confidence. also and you're tell them what
2: success looks like
0: yeah you're also um you're you're helping them understand that Making mistakes is part of learning that helps you to grow and be the the best person you can be in your job. But right. They're
2: telling them this this is the goal. This is you know this is the end result. This is the deliverables. This is this is what your budget. This is the resources. This is what you work with. I'm here. Here are the resources that you have at your disposal. I'm here to help you. But you're not saying you must do it this
0: way. Exactly. Beautiful. So just a couple more questions here um any suggestions on uh a woman being in a negotiation where she's the only one in the group uh and again the the underlying thing is uh-oh it's all males and here i am and how do i speak up and
2: well you know the other point that i made about speaking up uh what she doesn't want to do which is sure failure is to speak up As one, don't let her, as a woman, you should not uh, speak out of turn. The whole group, you should always negotiate. This is a key negotiating tip. You should always negotiate as one voice. Uh, a key ploy that many use in negotiation is to try to, to negotiate one on one. You know, the, these two people say this in the meeting and catch you out in the heart and break and ask about this or that or the other. They try to divide, you know, play good cop, bad cop kind mm-hmm. of deal. Mm-hmm. Or um, you always want to be together and one person speaks for the team. Whether that's you as the the female leader of the group or you're one of the party or whatever but it should be one voice speaking for the entire team but here's how you can be the hero and that is to listen well uh, we know that women have superior listening skills that's mm-hmm. not a boast that is just a fact There are listening teams and listening scores that will bear that out mm-hmm. because women tend to take notes And men fail to take notes when they speak for the most part. They just don't take as many notes. They just, they listen for the big picture concept, whereas women listen for the big picture and the details. Mm -hmm. And you, as a woman, might be the only one who has some of that information, who has captured it in your notes and remembered it. And so when they get to a point of needing some of that information and, you you know, it's been a long process of negotiation and you've had three or four meetings in the negotiation and somebody on that team is going to say, now, I wonder if what, you know, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. What did they say about the four or five years ago they had used this vendor and they got a discount of what was that? And you're going to be the only one that remembers that. <laughs> and here's where you're going to shine mm-hmm. as a member of that team.
0: Beautiful. But what
2: will be a mistake what will be a mistake is to speak up and say in the middle of the meeting, well let me let me tell you what what if we did so and so because now all of a sudden you have broken the the rule that one person speaks.
0: Beautiful. For the group.
2: And Beautiful. you will become the enemy of your team. Instead, right. you want to be the hero by saying, "Let me let me call a break here, just a minute," and then you go out in the hall and you say, "Hey, hey, hey, team members, here's the information we need. I've got it. I captured it back in August, you know, so and so when we talked last year, and here was the information you need."
0: And then you will be the hero <laughs> because you will be the only one that would listen well enough and capture those notes. Beautiful. Or, or even if you, if negotiations go more than one session, you may have information that is going to help the whole team with the strategy, right? Because you were right, listening right. so well. That's the beautiful yes, part.
2: because you've listened well and you have the strategy because you've been hearing. Here's a repeated pattern. I've heard them say this three different sessions. Here is the pattern that I'm hearing, and this is a key goal of theirs. And so you have you know put the strategy whatever it is I'm just saying you don't want them to separate you and you start becoming the speaker for some reason because somebody's tempted you to become the speaker and speak out because you know you're the only one that's smart enough to figure this out but you also have some key information that nobody else had
0: right good point any final thoughts or suggestions for women listening
2: I think just one thing to keep in mind, that is, if communication, if you you feel that communication is impeding your decisions and your actions, that's a good morning that's become problematic, not
0: strategic, and you want to stay strategic. Beautiful. That's just so beautiful. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. I enjoyed it. Thanks for listening today. If you liked this interview, go to com, episode number 89, to download a copy of the transcript of this show. Bye for now.
1: Thank you for joining your host, Sabrina Brahm, on another Women's Leadership Podcast. If you have questions or comments, you can email her at sabrina at com.